0: Welcome to Gold Diggers, a podcast on strategy, goals, and growth. We'll be talking all about OKRs, KPIs, strategy, and everything in between. Gold Diggers is brought to you by Purdue, an OKR platform that helps ambitious organizations turn strategy into results. Use Purdue to focus everyone on your strategy and the goals that will deliver it. Simply head over to Purdue to sign up for your very own free account. That is P-E-R-D-O-O And last but not least, if you enjoyed this or any of our podcast episodes, please leave a quick review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening to be the first one to know when we publish the next episode. Hi, everyone. I'm Zara, and I'll be the host for this episode. Joining me today is Ben Stillwell, and we'll be talking about his organization's experience working with OKR and how they've combined their OKR program with certain cultural elements that are embedded within their business. So, Ben, I guess this is my cue to pass the mic over to you. So please tell us a bit about yourself and your journey with OKR.
1: Sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Ben Stillwell, and I am the Senior Vice President of Customer Success at Streamline Health. Uh, And we provide software solutions to healthcare providers, specifically around the revenue integrity of medical coding. Uh, And in my role for customer success, I lead the teams who enable the customer journey. So implementation, account management, customer services, and support. And then in addition to that, I I led our initial implementation of OKRs in Purdue, and I continue to act as the OKR ambassador for the organization. Uh, So I help the senior leadership team craft their OKRs, and most importantly, utilize Purdue.
0: Nice. Thank you for the intro. And again, thank you for joining me today, Ben. Uh, Let's dive right into it. Typically, organizations adopt OKR because they have a certain itch that they need to scratch. And I'd say that there's often common grounds for those so-called itches, but the details of the why behind it is often very company-specific. So... Mm -hmm. I'm sure I'm not the only one here, but I'm personally very interested in understanding what it is that made Streamline Health adopt OKR in the first place, and also how you've benefited from using the the framework ever since.
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, it's kind of hard to think back before OKRs. It was only two years ago, but the thing we had in place beforehand was this monthly operations review, which was really each department had their own KPIs that they, they selected, and then they reported out on their ongoing activities. Um, a lot of sync meetings, but, you know, again, mostly report outs. So it, it just didn't feel like we were all marching in the same direction, so to speak. And then at that point, two years ago, we had a new CEO come on board and his initial observation was that our management team was comprised of a lot of smart people doing a lot of good work, but the alignment just wasn't there, sort of scattered, working on different things. You know, we had this one-page strategic plan, which is a, a grand vision of where the company was going, but in the short term or medium term, we really... Were on different pages, and it wasn't really connected to the long term. Mm-hmm. And then make things more difficult, the vision kind of lacked clarity at the associate level. Uh, we pushed the vision down and didn't help managers communicate that in a personal way. So it was difficult for associates to understand how to apply themselves to the vision. You know, we had sales goals at the time, and, and developers and customer support analysts were saying, "What about me? How do how do I fit into this?" And so. The CEO gave us Measure What Matters by John Dewar, and, and he asked us to find a tool where we could track the OKRs. And then to build connections to those OKRs, we accompanied it with um, Gallup's Clifton Strengths instrument to try to make it so that everyone felt like they were connected from the top vision down to their individual strengths. You know, it's really created a rallying cry for the organization. Each OKR is inspiring. It, it helps um, indicate where we want our resources to be focused. And then from there, the teams can hang their OKRs from those, those more inspiring ones to the ones that are actually going to get the work done. Um, and they're able to do it in a personal way. So I, I think it's just been um, the alignment I can't speak enough about.
0: Great. I'm really happy to hear that. Funny that you mentioned that you were asked to read Measure What Matters. Was this your first interaction with OKR or had you heard of it before?
1: I'd loosely heard about it because obviously there's um, pretty large companies that have used it over the years. I think reading the, the book was helpful to understand some of the principles behind it. Yep. <clears throat> I still left the book and I, I recently reread it. I still left the book with, uh, okay, now make it your own. And I was like, ah, well, how do I actually do that? And, yeah. and I think it took us a while to really adopt to. We had the senior leadership team all read, read the book. There's, you know, the, the addendum at the end is kind of Google's playbook or a couple of yeah. tips around implementing it. But it, it really is kind of hard to say, all right, what's the first step, the second step? You know, we're still learning, but, but over the two years, we've started to integrate it with the cultural framework elements. And really now it does feel like uh, we made it our own.
0: Yeah. You mentioned that it was difficult for your associates to connect to the organization's vision, and there was a lack of clarity. And actually, that's a very commonly reported pain point. And that's when organizations feel the need to actually find a solution and you know, manage all these moving parts. Yeah. And again, we'll get into the depths of this, but it's important to highlight here that while OKR is a goal management framework and a tool that can help organizations execute their strategies, it really also is a communication tool and bridges the gap between strategy and teams. So,
1: Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it, a communication tool. And, and now with hybrid work and you know people being all over the place, working autonomously, things like that, um, I think having the OKR tool to really put it out to say, hey, here's the alignment that we see. And, the daily work that you have yeah. contributes to the team, contributes to the corporate. I think it's um, it's very helpful in that sense.
0: Yeah, and that's actually what you said earlier. Like they ask, where do we fit in? And I think when you create that transparency and you provide the the space to communicate all those moving mm-hmm. parts, really, that's where they can identify where they can contribute to using their goals or their their expertise, so to say. So yeah, yeah. So you might have experienced this, but In theory, OKR is pretty simple and straightforward, but when you have to implement it across an entire organization and get that buy-in from teams and people, that's where it gets tricky, right? So how do you maintain a healthy OKR program across your entire organization?
1: Sure. So I think that there's two things that we kind of focused on. The first was integrating with our operations. um, and, And that is as simple as making sure that it's very visible and frequent in, in your daily operations. So we run through our OKRs a lot, mm-hmm. um, several times a week at the executive level. And then we have working sessions that are longer with the senior leadership team on a monthly basis. Our CEO is very committed to, to the OKR framework and is quick to point out when we're working on things that are not aligned with our objectives. Things that are outside the guardrails are not going to push the organization forward. So mm-hmm. um, he tries to, to stop that as soon as we can. Yeah. The second one is, is what I mentioned earlier, the integrating it with the cultural framework. So, we've had a one page strategic plan, with, which I think I mentioned for a couple of years. That's from Vern Harnish's Scaling Up book. And that goes in, in depth on core values, the vision, but then it serves as sort of the, the jumping off point for our, at least our annual OKRs, um, as well as our three year uh, OKRs. And then we also integrated it with uh, Gallup's Clifton Strengths, which mm-hmm. is what we use to help individuals, uh, managers, and teams work at their best.
0: I really like that, that you bring your, the cultural elements that are embedded in your organization into your OKR program. Uh, you know, the sad truth really is, is that OKR is seen as this framework that is super rigid and has like a fixed set of rules that needs to be followed to a T to ensure its success. But yeah. it really is just best practices and then it's as flexible as you want it to be and can mold can be molded to fit your your organization's needs. So this is proof uh, of you using different components of your cultural blueprint, so to say, into your OKR program.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think that's a good point. I mean, there is like, a, you know, you should only have X number of OKRs and key initiatives. But really, when we say make it your own, it's, you know, what are the other elements that are really going to help your organization specifically? And for us, we picked, you know, those two others to really tie in. And I think that was helpful to Get better uh, adoption of OKRs themselves.
0: But so you had uh, the one-page strategic plan and the um, Clifton strengths as a part of the organization's cultural framework from before, or did that kind of filter in when when you implemented OKR?
1: Yeah, so the one-page strategic plan we've had for for a couple of years. The Clifton strengths part was something that we implemented actually after OKRs. Okay
0: okay, so a quick a quick note to listeners here who are interested in learning more about Vern Harnish's book called Scaling Up and Clifton Strengths from Gallup. We'll include a link in the show notes for you to to read about it a bit more. Moving on before getting into the details of how these elements actually come together at Streamline, can you give us a quick intro on what Clifton Strengths is all about?
1: Yeah uh, so it's really just a personality instrument. I, I think it's the best one um, for a variety of reasons, but you could liken it to Myers-Briggs or DISC, or there's a handful of other ones out there. The, the benefit that I see of these instruments is it creates a common language with which people can describe themselves to others. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps team members understand each other and different approaches to problems. Uh, it helps managers create environments in which associates can perform at their best. Yeah. And it can help foster healthy conflict.
0: I really like that approach. And I think also consciously recognizing individual strengths and approaches is isn't only a way to get the, the right people working on the right goals, but it's also a way to empower them and ensure that they're heard. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And you previously mentioned that your one page strategic plan is kind of the, the diving board or your, your compass for your organizations, OKR program. So besides the vision and purpose, what else does the one page strategic plan contain?
1: Yeah. So there's, um, there's things that you want to do over the course of a longer time period. So obviously the vision is your ultimate goal. When you talk about your core values, it's really what your um, organization uh, sort of stands for, or Mm -hmm. things that are commonly held throughout the associate base, et cetera. It also has, um, you know, a 10 year goal, which is meant to be you know, the big hairy audacious goal that, um, others have mentioned. And then that you go into a three to five year, what are the capabilities we need to build in order to get to that 10 year goal? Um, and then what's the three year goal that's really going to get us there sort of a short term. And then you get to annual priorities. So we meet on a regular basis, but at least semi-annually to do a full deep dive and say, all right, most of the longer term stuff should be rock solid, but we do revisit them. Um, and then so the annual priorities are really where we spend a lot of our annual planning cycle to make sure we understand how those longer-term ones need to play out in the short term, and then mm-hmm. you look directly at um, if we have four annual priorities, those are the corporate OKRs for the year.
0: Okay, nice. You've mentioned quite a lot about these three moving parts, and that is your OKR program, your one-page strategic plan, and your Clif- and Clifton Strengths as a model. Mm-hmm. How do they all come together at Streamline Health Solutions?
1: Yeah. So um, one thing that I've heard on, on this podcast before is just the idea of OKRs creating or enabling uh, alignment and autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, we really very much think that the OKRs can create those two elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we use the OPSP and Clifton Strengths to really further that. So the alignment piece is really fed from a strategy. It sets guardrails. It says, all right, here's loosely where we're going to play and, and how we'll get there. Yeah. Um, so that's the one-page strategic plan really puts those guardrails up. And then we want our associates to operate autonomously. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the Clifton strengths come in because we say, all right, here's generally the output that we're looking for. We'll leave it to the teams and associates to kind of say, all right, given your strengths, given the team strengths, how are we going to best contribute to it? And I think the managers are able to personalize the goals based on understanding strengths and then associates Mm -hmm. can identify um, their ways of working. So I can give two examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first, we had no care that was focused on increasing financial impact that customers got from our software. At the CEO level, we could have said, these are the four ways you will increase financial impact. Mm-hmm. Instead, we communicated the intended outcome for the year. And one of our analyst strengths is analytical learner. Um, and he was able to run with the intended outcome and do side-by-side learning sessions with our customers to get the data he needed to make recommendations for financial improvements. It was entirely led by him. It was based on how he knew he could operate best and you know, really turned out um, a win for our customer. And then the second example, I happen to be an ideas person. I love a whiteboard, sticky note, uh, mm-hmm. all over the place. Our chief operating officer is more focused on creating a list, knocking down steps. And we work on the exact same OKRs. But my approach is best on the initiatives that think in the abstract and need to rethink an entire process. Um, and his approach is much better when we need to, to actually execute those changes or make things mm-hmm. Um, happen, and I think in both examples, the important part is that we're aware of different styles and approaches, and we empower that individual to use those different styles and approaches. And I think honestly, if you match that with that sort of clear um, alignment, you know, you really can't be stopped.
0: Yeah, no, I really like how that all comes together, and it sounds like such an effective way of working with OKRs because. I personally am very much a fan of such personality assessments, and I can imagine when you combine it, as you said, with your vision, your strategy, and then goals on top of it, it must create a foundation for such dynamic and probably even very successful cross-functional OKRs, just like the examples you've provided here. Yeah, And it seems like all these methods are ensuring that your OKR program is becoming like a cultural, it's your cultural DNA, so to say. and so. As you grow as an organization, how do you ensure that your new hires are seamlessly folding into this OKR program, and how do you maintain the the clarity on your strategy?
1: Yeah, great question. And and for both uh, OKRs and Clifton Strengths, we did large workshops to kick it off. And so mm-hmm. people, uh, you'd like to think because we brought in outside trainers that they probably have a, you know, it was a full fire hose uh, approach to learning these these frameworks. And when we're adding associates, I mean, we're less than a hundred people when we're adding one to two every, every month or so yeah. it's, it's hard to make sure that that, um, spirit is still kind of felt there. And our HR team does a good job of, of running the initial workshops for mm-hmm. both of them. But the main thing we really rely on is our managers. Mm-hmm. We, we really focus on how, They've adopted OKRs, how they enable their team to use the OKRs, and then how they have the management conversations around Clifton strengths. I, I think that they're the main way that we can try to keep that, that culture alive.
0: Mm-hmm. Does it work like this that when someone comes onto a, a team afresh, they take this personality assessment and then they're briefed on certain elements, say OKR or your, your one page strategic plan, your core values, and things like that? Is that how it goes?
1: Yeah. So we have an onboarding session that goes into. Goes through the one-page strategic plan, walks mm-hmm. through um, our OKRs within Purdue, okay. um, and that's done kind of at the the corporate level, and then the manager, uh, and and we also give them an overview of, of Clifton Strengths, and then the manager is really in charge of making sure that they understand how the manager views their team's contribution to the OKRs, mm-hmm. how the dynamics within their team works with Clifton Strengths, and then we do have a number of um, you know, have a biweekly happy hour to try to um, help the new associates get better integrated. Mm-hmm. really flex the muscles on Clifton Strength, so to speak. Yeah.
0: yeah. Nice. Thank you for those insights. I really appreciate that. I'm sure our listeners have gained a lot of insight into how you can actually integrate all these different aspects that you're working with in your organizations. So before we go, um, I have one last bonus question that I think everyone will really appreciate. Based on your, your experience with OKR so far, what would be your advice to organizations that are just getting started with OKR?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think the, the first thing would be to get the buy-in from managers, um, including how it's going to actually help them. Yes, you need the CEO commitment, mm-hmm. but without manager buy-in, you'll continue to see people directing resources outside of the OKRs.
0: They're kind of like your, ambas- your co-ambassadors, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Because chances are, by the time you've said you're going to do it, the CEO is already on board. You now yeah. need to work on making sure the people who are going to bring their teams in are, are feeling like it's going to be a good tool for them. And then the second one is, you know, back to the Clifton Strengths idea is really to personalize your OKR. You need to make a conscious effort to connect every single individual to an OKR and make sure that they're able to contribute to it. Um, associates today want to be connected to their organization and feel part of something bigger. And if I can point at the company strategy and say uh, that I moved the needle, I can mm-hmm. feel connected. So Clifton Strengths awesome. for us is just a great way to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third, I know you didn't ask me to, but I will plug Purdue. We really like it. It's it's a central tool. It gives uh transparency to the entire organization and it uses OKR terminology within the tool, which is super helpful. And we have the we use the roadmap feature to really see how the cascading kind of works. Um, and we're really
0: happy to have you on board, Ben. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Good. And then lastly, it's a continuous process. Uh like I said, when we first started doing it, it was a little overwhelming. We felt like we didn't have, you know, enough guidance, but I think that was because we were still trying to figure out how we were going to use it. And Still today, just about every quarter, we meet with a, a Purdue coach, Nicole. Thank you, Nicole, uh, to help write the actual OKRs. Because the thing we struggle with the most is making sure that key results um, are outcome instead of output driven, and you know, making sure that we understand some of the tenets of, of what that OKR framework was was intended to be, so we can still have some leeway, but make sure we're going down the right path. And we try to seek out other organizations that use OKRs to understand what has hasn't worked and. Uh, we're willing to admit when adoption's low and ask our teams how we can make it better for them
0: that's great advice Ben and i couldn't agree more and to your last point okr really is an iterative process and you're going to learn along the way it won't it won't always be a smooth journey but if you hold on tight enough and you know acquire those learnings and then make the changes that are needed i can guarantee and i'm sure you can guarantee as well that it's absolutely worth
1: it definitely
0: Anyway, thank you so much for joining me, Ben. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about strategy, goals, and growth, head over to our resources hub at purdue.com forward slash resources and subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date with all our latest insights.